G'day and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel. The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting! And Thunderbirds are go. And on that note, Mark is frozen. And, no, he's back. Uh, no, he's I'm back. not. Here we go. I was just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Practicing my mind. Professionally done. <laughs> Practicing my mind. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Most How are you, Mark? I'm very well, thank you. Very polite. I do like that black flag of Tika behind mm. you there, Ian. I do like the black flag. I have one. I'm thinking about where I can put it. I do like the black flag. Yeah, it is pretty good, isn't it? Oh, so speaking of that um, that Tika emblem, I'm actually very disappointed in that. So I had um, a theft at my house this week, and they oh, stole yes. a set of car keys, and oh. on that was my Tika keyring. I know a place. <laughs> I know a place <laughs> less than one meter from me that has about four thousand of those keyrings. Okay. Yeah. I need a replacement, please, because so, mine was stolen, and I'm very yeah, so happy if, about that. If you're listening, anyone. Please get hold of me. I'd love to give you one of my 4,000 Beretta, Tika, Seiko, Sarko, Sarko. earrings. Um, you're welcome to one. They're, they're here for you. And I'll give and, you one, Jono. And I've got some I've got some spares if you if there's a rush. <laughs> if we get a rush on. Yeah, yeah if we get a yeah. rush on, we've still got some more. So, yeah, so if you want one, Jono, obviously you'll get one. But if you want one, please reach out to us. We have plenty to go around. Yep. Um, Free plus postage and handling. Yeah, pay, <laughs> you the post, we'll, we'll send you, you pay for a post, we'll send you a few of them. Well, on that, right. I mean, the, the, we put up a post this week about the merch packs. Has there yep. been um, some good good responses on those? Have we seen some good good posts? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. There's yeah, been bits and pieces go up. We've sent some merch packs out. Um, I've closed that off for the round. I've done my one trip to the post office for the month. So uh, I won't be doing that again. But, uh, yep, we've got some out and a few have been received and... Yeah, people are enjoying getting some free stuff, which is a bit of fun. Yeah. So other than the, the sad news of your break-in, any other news we want to talk about before we get underway, gents? I reckon we get into it. Okay. Yeah. We've got a lot to talk say, about tonight. I was just yeah. going to say that how exciting is that media is now on you, uh, well, yeah, on it's, online for free. It, it's great. It's frustrating me, though. Like, I sit down mm. and my family goes to bed. And I get my phone out. I don't want to watch it on my phone. I want to watch it on my TV. And I haven't yet. Uh, my device that I used to stream to is busted. So I just okay. haven't got around to it, sadly. Mm. Oh, no. Uh, I watch mm. on TV because it can just, you know, share a screen with the iPad. Yeah. Yeah, my Apple TV broke. I actually but haven't watched the new season yet. So it's really weird um, in that I always said I, w- I wasn't going to pay for Netflix and I've won. <laughs> Take me eleven you've, years, you've but I won. won. You've, won. I was, you've I never paid for Netflix. Out. No, I, I can't stand paying for television. 
It's, it's never any good much. anyway, so I just might as well just view the free stuff. Well, it's different um, ways. We've got every platform. Well, no, I, yeah. well, not – there is some uh, – I we do have one platform. We have Amazon, but that's only because I've got that Amazon Prime, so you, mm. get, you get where you get free postage. Yeah. So you get free TV as well. That's the only that's, – well, it's not free, but you oh. get it as part of the package. So I get Amazon Prime. That's the only one we pay for. Mm. Um, so and so, I've been watching uh, the uh, Meat Eater on the Meat Eater website platform mm. up to Series Seven, but I think now they're going to release the the idea is they're going to release all of them because they're, mm. they're no longer with Netflix. I don't know why I've searched the net to try and find the, the inside track on why well, the previous not. series on Netflix or has it been pulled down? Uh, well, on the site. The last I checked before I started watching the new stuff, I think all of Series 6 was there, but they were still saying Series 7 to 10 or whatever it was was available on Netflix. So I'm not sure about that. It might become all available now on the the, the website. But anyway, hmm. the new stuff's available on the website. It's changed slightly. Um, you know, the intro's changed. He's changed the intro after 10 years or 11 years. So, but it's free, and so that I think that's pretty cool. That's good. I'll get into it sometime soon. Probably uh, sitting in an airport somewhere, no doubt. Yeah, on the way somewhere. Um, something I wanted to do is just shout out to everyone that joined our um, live podcast the other night. Um, it was a really great session. Just a bit mm. of a Q and A, and a thanks mm. to everyone that's been tuning in and listening and watching, and you know, had some great questions, and we had some good people come along. So, uh, again, thank you to everybody for that, and. Uh, I think you'll see a bit more of that. The the idea is that we'll um, we'll run some sessions, um, not specifically so people can come and do Q and A, but you know, of a topic that people can join and and ask a question if they feel like it. But we'll still be very much podcast. So um, a bit of a new format coming in the new year. So um, stay tuned for that. But this time, this podcast specifically is our official NT go to woe everything from start to finish discussion. Uh, we've had quite a few people now contact us and say, did we miss something? I had people ring me the other day saying, we saw the wrap-up podcast when you're on site and we've heard bits and pieces and we've seen some video, but where's the where's the detail? <laughs> so um decided to put that together tonight and um, I guess we'll kick off that, uh, fellas, with how we got to get an invite to the NT to start with, I guess, and then the, the planning behind it. Okay. Mark? Well, I was actually, okay, that's a great place to start. So... Uh, Way back when, uh, well, we all knew Brian Boyle anyway. Um, one way or another, I'd met Brian a number of years ago, initially through the ADA, and there was a very short period of time where we were both board members. Um, so we, we knew Brian, and um, when we knew the kind of cer- people around the circle around Brian, and so we initially invited him onto the podcast to talk about the Northern Territory as a hunting destination. And if I remember correctly, which I'm pretty sure I do, uh, the conversation got around to us going to the Northern Territory to hmm. hunt. So we started talking about, and specifically we started talking about the public land options up there, which where Brian was instrumental, um, is, has instrumental involvement in that. And I actually just saw that he got an award for that too. Oh, is that right? Good on him. Territory guys actually gave him a, an award, or you know, a recognition award about for his mm. work in that space. Which so, is great. Um, and that yeah, podcast great. we did with Brian was 11 months ago. 
according to my list of videos. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad uh, you look. <laughs> it was 11 months yeah, ago. It was So there we go. So that's where it all started. It started with the idea of, hey, you guys, come up and hunt. And we thought, yep, sure, that sounds great. And then it kind of started to move from that sounds great to that sounds possible to that sounds probable. And it accelerated from there. Yeah, so that's we, the we, kind we, of the inkling. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I mean, we um, we booked some dates. We had to move them around a little bit to suit where we wanted yeah. to go. Yeah. I think originally we decided that we were going to drive and yep. throw a camper up there did, and, yeah. and spend, you know, two days in a car together and, and get all the way up to Darwin. But that um, logistically, I think, looking into driving versus flying, yeah, flying's a little bit more expensive and you've got baggage and those things to worry about, but... By the time we did the maths with that and high cars, it was very, very similar in terms of price. Yeah. Uh, mm. And um, we didn't lose four days, two days at each end, which was super important for us. Yeah, I think yeah. I'd want to maximise the hunting time as opposed to spending yeah, four days, two days there, two days back. I'd rather be hunting for, for those for three of those four days. Definitely. Yeah, and you're right because, you know, the way you think about it, um, and I don't even know if it did save us that much in terms of dollars. Um, you know, we still would have had to pay for fuel when we're in Northern Territory itself. You know, we had to pay for fuel from the high car from Darwin to the property and back and so on. We still would have had to done that anyway. Um, uh, there would have been the obviously the fuel bill getting there and getting back. And, you know, so I'm not sure if it was a, a cheaper option. It was certainly um, uh, to drive, but there's no doubt that flying provided us with it. You know, it, we saved time or we didn't lose days simply of traveling which was so mate which turned a seven day hunt into five days with rifle in hand mm. um and whereas you'd have to what to achieve that you'd probably have to put on another three or four days in real well, at least three days in real terms to becomes at least that. a 10 day trip then yeah and yep. yeah and we flew to Darwin where the guys were, so we were able to meet them there. And there was a, that, so it, you know, we would have almost had to kind of drive past the property to meet them up in Darwin and come back. Because if you remember when we got to Darwin, it was it was good that we turned up because there was a there was an issue with one of the vehicles, so it was good that we were actually there at the time. So I think flying made a lot more sense. Just mm. means you had a little bit, I suppose, a little bit more. Um, more thoughtful about what you're going to take and how you're going to take it rather yeah. than you know, the opportunity of having a, having a vehicle and you can throw everything in. And there were some other considerations. Like we, you know, we'd travelled with firearms before on airplanes, but things change, rules change, so we had yep. to dig into that. We had a, a good mm. chat with Gemma Dunn on one of our other podcasts and, uh, you know, Gemma uh, does a lot of uh, international travel with her, with her competition and her coaching. So that was a really great podcast to listen to, and we got to ask her a lot of questions about travelling with firearms, and that really put us at ease. But we still had to um, figure out the rules from the individual airline that we booked, yeah, and and follow those processes. And it turned out to be relatively easy. But we were juggling baggage from the start to the finish, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because we were taking not just rifles and some clothes in a tent, but we had all our tech gear and all of those sorts of things, so that we could record and video and, and do what we did. So. Um, it, it it gave us new challenges that you wouldn't have had necessarily if we'd taken a car, but no, most definitely not not insurmountable. You know, we got over them pretty easily. 
Yeah, I mean that's it. I mean with the um, with travel, it was interesting. And again, for those who haven't done it before, you, 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 your rifle is classed as a wholly separate bag in real terms because, we, you know, so you you get your baggage and then you have to buy at least one extra bag. We ended up buying, what, an, an extra, extra bag on the way back, but that was because mm. we were bringing back horns. So we were bringing back, we came back heavier than we went. <laughs> so there was that. That was a challenge. But, in a, you know... For I suppose, for the level of hassle, it was a pretty smooth affair getting through the, jumping through the airline hoops around firearms. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I'd have no hesitation travelling with a no. firearm domestically and and taking ammunition. I know we had ammunition sent up by the good friends at Beretta, um, but Mark, you took ammunition up with yourself, yeah. and there was no there was no hassles or anything. So I'd have no hesitations taking up rifle and ammunition again. But certainly, book the extra baggage certainly helps. Yeah, I think what that told us is about it's not not so much the it's how you how you set up your baggage and I think um you know there was there was ways that we could have you know did, did it more efficiently or or did it better now that we've done it you know done it once so you say you know a big expedition bag is a really good thing because you can load it up with not necessarily heavy but big items like tents and things like that. And then, you know, um, you're able to, because you, you know, your firearm case, well, mine was like 11 kilos. So it was technically a very light bag. So, you know, cleaning rod, fishing rod, reel, that went in there as well. Um, so you're able to use that a bit more efficiently. So I think next time, yeah, there's a few things I'd probably do a little di different. I might actually not take one big bag. I might take two smaller bags, and I don't mean small bags, but smaller bags, so then when we come back, we'll be able to swap gear around between bags and so on. Um, but I, again, it, went, it was pretty smooth, and certainly arriving in Darwin, you know, Brisbane was the Brisbane was the choke point for us. Mm -hmm. Darwin was like, you know, there's your bags, you know, see you later, and we were gone. There was one piece of advice that Gemma gave us that um, was absolutely true, and that was, know your rules before you mm. leave because yeah. you educate the staff at the airport <laughs> don't let them try and look it up online if you're confident you know your rules uh maybe you overstate the rules a little bit and you bluff your way through um it was fine and, mm. and absolutely we were able to say this is how this works this is what that's going to be and they ticketed us and off we went and it was yeah we had a couple of other minor hiccups around people not knowing what they were doing but we won't go through that now it was yeah. uh, a bit, bit comical but um Suffice to say, we got the rifles on the plane in the end, and we <laughs> didn't get an escort. <laughs> That's right. So uh, we must have been appear we must appear very trustworthy because we didn't, <laughs> we didn't get the, the 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 mandated escort. So they said, "Oh, these guys are okay. Let them go through." Yep. Take the rifles. And I, I must admit, I did like standing there in the short queue with a gun and having people surfboards give me the stink eye. I did enjoy <laughs> that. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. Straight through. All the skiers and that as well. Yeah, that's it. But you wouldn't change it. I don't think we'd change it. Going back again next year is the plan. Yeah, I can't imagine that we're going to change the flying concept and jump in a car. We'd just do it again the way that we did. Not unless I was going for a two-week hunt or something like a two-week trip. Yeah, if you were going longer or something like that, you you could okay maybe you or you wanted to do make it a more, you know, fuller trip so you actually wanted to do a bit of travel and, and exploration mm. and look around, that, you know, that might warrant uh, driving. But it, for us, we were going primarily for a hunt. 
um, to a place we hadn't been before with, you know, with people we hadn't hunted with, with before. So we were pretty focused on what we were doing. So it worked out very well. Um, so that's how to get there and the gear. Uh, I suppose it's worth mentioning that we went the last couple of days in August into the first week of September and that choice i mean there's a couple of driving factors around around availability but that uh as brian said that's kind of middle of the road time to go the northern territory if you go earlier it's cooler but there's still water around so the animals might not be so concentrated if you go later it's much hotter um, because the heat does rise quite quickly, and we experienced that while we were there. You know, the, the build-up is is when they talk about the build-up, it's a real thing. It's like someone flicked a switch. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as he said, as the build-up continues and the water dries out, you get greater levels of animal concentration around remaining water until until the monsoon. So it was it was a nice time to go in that it was hot but wasn't too hot, and we had a level of concentration of game. Because yeah, I'm thinking, so, you know, mm. most days, um, oh, not most days, but we, you know, we saw plenty of game when there was opportunities for game. Mm. And when you say it wasn't too hot, uh, it was 38 to 40 degrees in the heat of the day most days. Mm. It was warm, and we were covering some serious kilometres. The the year that I went prior to this one, uh, I went a little bit later, and it was kick your ass hot. Mm. Like so, one of the reasons that Brian suggested this time of the year was. Um, just to ease us into the whole concept yeah. of hunting into the end too, yeah. because you know you can go up there and get into some serious trouble. Uh, Forty degrees, we're kind of used to that. Well, I'm I'm kind of used to that in summer up up where I am. It gets quite warm and dry up here. Brisbane gets the humidity, so we both you know we sort of all had our experiences with heat. But that was that was it was definitely another level. Yeah. Um, but it was it was manageable. Like, it none was of manageable. Us, none of us yeah. got you know heat stroke or pulled up with any sort of heat issues. Um, it was it was good. It was good advice at a good time of year. I'd do that again. Yeah. And I mean, um, and, and a big part of that, is, and we've spoken about before as, in, in a few times, was the water management system. Mm. Um, you know, I've heard some people not suggest that, the, or suggest that's not the way to do it. I, I, I'm not going to say that they're wrong, but for us, I thought that water management system with the ice and the combination of, of ice, water, uh, you know, camelback, temperature yeah. water and electrolytes was a very, very smart com- mm. combination. It seemed to, you know, ha- be very effective very quickly. And as you said, um, no one, we didn't have anyone down, you know, with heat stroke or, or just no you know, cramping too, or anything too, like that. Too cramping or too stuff to go. And in fact, I, I thought about it. I, I hunted every day both you know morning and night and i think there's even one day we, we did like a we did a midday look around as well no real challenges to that i mean it was hard it wasn't easy and it, at the time you know you you knew it but it wasn't like debilitating no one was like oh that's it i'm i'm, I'm sitting out for a couple of days or i'm sitting out because i'm just too knocked around and so i mm. thought that that ice combination worked really well in fact i said i, I want to start using that down here in summer. Mm. So the mm. the uh, the research that I did around uh, chilled water is that day to day use of chilled water seems to be bad for your body's metabolism, mm. um, but you know a short term usage of it, the way that we were doing it, um, 
is absolutely fine. If it's if it's going to be your go to thing, then it's not necessarily the best. I think it's going to do really bad things to you drinking cold water, but yeah. uh, it's I not as being, good as a certain temperature, right? That's yeah. about as far as I think being dehydrated in that environment will be a lot worse. That's than right. Drinking yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way. <laughs> that's drinking right. loop, like lukewarm water that's baking yeah. on your back. For, and how bad does know, electrolytes taste when they're lukewarm? Oh, it's Ooh. terrible. It's like drinking. Oh, <laughs> terrible. Really bad. Don't do that. No. no. It's disgusting. So from a temperature point of view, would you go next year, would you go later? Would you go same time? Or what, are you, well, the, what are your thoughts? The question is, Jono, now that, now that we've been to this particular place, we've started to understand the process of hunting, and we'll get into that a bit more, the process mm-hmm. of hunting. Do you, think, do you think you'd be looking for more game? Like, do you think you didn't have opportunity to... We had more like if we were straight into where we were in those last couple of days, you know, and had a full week doing that, uh, I'm not sure we missed out on much. But mm. um, I don't know. It's a pay. It's a it's a it's a trade off, isn't it? Mm. To me, I don't think um, you know. I don't think we do better um, than than the opportunities that were presented to us up there. I mean, I think of. There was when we were up there. There was at least two opportunities where, um, and one was early morning when it, you know, Ian, you mean Ian? We, we we didn't see that pig till it was too late, and that was a good mm. boar. Yeah, we just didn't yeah. see it till it was too late. You know that that's that was us all over. Um, and the the first opportunity when we literally you know saw that herd of buffalo, and all of us went, well, this is a whole new experience for all <laughs> of us. And that's so, what you thirty know, buffalo look like. That's what thirty <laughs> buffalo look like, and that's what a, when when they say a herd buffalo that's got like you know broom brunette broom handles sticking out of its yeah. head. That's what they mean. There's Ooh, one no. right there. Look he at was, the size of that beast. He's a big boy. So that's it. So you know, I don't think we. You know, the opportunity was certainly there. I think it was just uh, you know, uh, one one was just you know you, sometimes you just don't you're not thinking at the right time at the right thing and you miss an opportunity and other was simply experience. I, mm. I wouldn't have I think we'd experience ex- is probably the main you one. Know, just, we've if there was there. more game, maybe, you know, you, you, but I wouldn't see that, you know, it would be like a, a fundamental improvement to the level of game. Yeah, the I other think, guys um, too, they, they, I mean, we were newbies. Hmm? The other guys, when they went off, they would drop. Things. <laughs> 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 Brian shot, what, eight donkeys himself, you know, <laughs> So. Yeah, so it's um like I said, it's a it's a trade off. I think. And in I fact, sorry, we, it was three animals because on the first day we had the 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 you know the the met the problem with metric conversion and a, and and John's yeah. rifle oh, and pig. Yeah, it's it, it no. three. I don't forget monster pig that we saw when we were on our way to Hilltop. You know, it was about that big. Oh, right. yeah. oh yeah, well, that's right. Did, that's right. We did see a pig. Yeah, yeah, we did but, see that one. Um, but um, I think uh, I think doing it in the time that we did it this time allowed us to learn how to hunt mm. that landscape. Mm. Yeah. You know, we 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 got onto animals almost every day, whether we shot them every day or not. Yeah, the, the real action happened pretty late in the trip. Yeah, r- right mm. up to the end of the trip, if you've seen the videos. But um, working with the guys that know the area, with uh, Matt and Brian. Um, like we, I, I learned heaps about tracking oh, those yeah. things. You know, the first mm-hmm. day that I took a video of, of buffalo shit, like I was, I was just like, like over here, buffalo yeah. shit. But I could have, I could have built a house with it. Yeah, it was yeah. a solid, dried lump of crap. Yeah. But still, you know, it excited me. And as the week went on, 
you know, we're, we're then we're, we're realizing what you know real fresh stuff is and what real fresh prints look like. And you know, yeah. that last one that um, Jono and I um, chased on the last day, like the, the prints that we were following there were a different level of fresh again to what we'd seen oh, yeah. all week. Mm. So um, I think we learned a lot. Could we go later in the year fractionally? Probably, yeah. If you want to deal yeah. with the humidity, um, yeah. Yeah, I, no. look, I wouldn't say no, um, but I, you know, I wouldn't. I, I don't think you you would have to. Mm. No, I don't think we would have to to, to to have the same level of enjoyment and opportunity. And I mean, and I'm, and I, I totally agree with you. You know, like that last day when I got the buffalo and we came across those buffalo turds, it was like, oh, holy moly! That you know, yeah. I, I, I think the thing, I think that it's just you know, it's. It's here. It's we're right on top of them, and, and we were, you know, mm. and, you know, and the the brain donkeys and stuff like that, and and the pigs, you know, there was plenty of opportunities on on pigs. Actually, now thinking again, there was actually another opportunity when when me and Matt, you know, Matt took a speculator at at pigs, and then not fifty yards fifty yards away, you busted that sow, and all those little piglets oh, yeah, and shot that yeah. sow, you know. So yeah, so yeah. Well, it's, it's, we had um, we had pigs in front of us, Ian, and you were trying to decide whether to take one or not. No, no, I decided not to take them, Johnny. Yeah, but you were thinking of possibly the ruffle. Yeah, and then we turn around and there's a buffalo. So yeah, so that's yeah, a, there was certainly so, plenty of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And for I mean, sure. and and again, you know, you, you, we were hunting in in an environment that we hadn't hunted before for mm. a type of game that we hadn't hunted before, and so we were learning and. Um, mm. And I mean, and, and some of the you know the fundamentals applied, but it was just an understanding of, of of you know how to hunt buffalo. And I think you know, so I I feel really confident that next time we go, we'll we'll put that learning in place and we'll be just as successful. I think we'll be straight onto it rather mm. than um. Yeah. We, we weren't guided just just for the for that, the, those that listening. Too. We weren't we weren't guided. We we were on a large property which was about I think six hundred and fifty thousand acres. Um, so it's pretty yeah. six hundred fifty. I think I did the math. Yeah. Um, somewhere around there, big. Um, so you know that's you're never you're never going to cover a fraction mm. of that. Um, we were invited there, and um, Brian and Matt um, had been there before, so. They weren't guides. They were there hunting themselves, but they were willing to pass on some knowledge and get us um, on the way. And within the first couple of days, we were off on our own. Um, and we were, you know, that was the, the day that we walked across the floodplain and we saw that, that big mob. Um, so we were, you know, we, we were pretty heat-stressed heat at, at that point in time. Mm. Um, you know, we weren't in trouble or anything like that, but, you know, we, we were in the heat of the day, as you pointed out in the video, walking into the sun as it was mm. setting, and it was baking hot. It was warm, that. Um so, you know, we, we, we took the instructions, but each day we were sort of, okay, what, what are we up to this time? Like yeah. what's happening today? We're going to this part of the property. We're we going to that part of the property. Are we hunting what we did last time? So next time, I don't think we will need to take those instructions, which is be different. We'll have our own plans and our own minds mm. yep. and we'll be able to execute. Mm. Oops, sorry. And, and I think that probably leads us to the, the type of hunting opportunity you've got in, in the Northern Territory. And um, I suppose at, at one level, you've got the ability to access fully guided services. So there's plenty of um, high-quality guides in the Northern Territory who, if you want to go um, to hunt there, you've got the opportunity to contact them. Obviously, that's a paid service, 
but you've got you know you've got the benefits of a guide and local experience and you'll probably have things like accommodation and so on so, sorted out as well so you could if you wanted to do quite a comfortable fly in fly out i know nearly all the guide services say they either you know depending on where they are you either you catch a connecting flight from darwin to a location or they come and get you and or, or something like that you know so you could literally turn up in Darwin, obviously you want to prearrange it, but with your bags and your rifle and away you go and you could have a great guided um, hunt you, and you'll probably get yourself a very good buffalo. I know um, Joe from DPI, he was up there, you know, almost the same time, only a couple of weeks different. He run, he, I, I believe that he runs with, hunts with a guide every, you know, every year, same guy. So that's one way of doing it. Other end of the spectrum, right at the other end of the spectrum, is the fact that Northern Territory has a level of public land hunting. So again, you could turn up to the territory and hunt, and this time it's public land. And um, the rule of the public land hunting um, in terms of Northern Territory, its structure is very similar to the R license structure in New South Wales. It's not exactly the same, but it's very similar. Um, but the thing with the Northern Territory is that you uh, have to hunt with a local who has the same licence. Now, that could sound like, oh, maybe that's too hard because I don't know anyone in the Territory. But from what I understand is the, I think it's, is it Backcountry? Is it mm. Backcountry? ECH, yeah, Backcountry, I yeah. Know, yeah. If you contact them, they will very much help, you know, connect you with someone they they obviously i'm sure they don't promise they will connect you but they'll, they'll be able to help you maybe connect with with the hunt, local hunters and if you're in double sa or ada or shooters union there's probably people up there who are in that as well so there's it's not uh it doesn't prohibit you from hunting it just requires a little bit of um uh again pre-work on your part to, to find someone to hunt with and it would you know probably a nice idea to meet someone up there and, and and hunt with them and then there's what we did which was essentially self-guided hunting but on private land so through Brian's connections we got access to uh, a, a cattle station um, and we hunted on like a lot of people do you know we, we paid we paid for access we didn't pay for a game animals. We paid for access, and away we went. We hunted on that property. So mm. lots of opportunities and lots of different ways of going about it. You don't have to, you know, you're not limited in your in your options, but it comes down to what works best for you. Yeah, and just uh, another point on the BCH, uh, they're not pairing you up with a local to hold your hand, um, no. you know, show you how to hunt, things like that. It's more of a safety thing because people do get in trouble in the heat. You, know, you come up from Melbourne or Sydney or even Brisbane. Yeah. It's, a, it's a different level of heat. And if you know, if you don't know the signs, I mean, we've all been dehydrated, and we've talked about this before. I've, I've been quite badly dehydrated. Um, you know, just out the back of Toowoomba. Uh, you know, just get that wrong sometimes, and getting that wrong out there is a big problem. And the other oh, thing, of course, different. is the, the wildlife. Um, we came across a fair share of crocodiles. Most of them freshies, so they're quite small. But I still would be jumping in the river. Mm. Um, but there were salties up there as well, Jono. Yeah, you, Brian and I saw a big salty. salty. So, yeah. so um, that just tells you they're there, and um, it had us move our tents back from the billabong, <laughs> you know, 50 metres or so, so that we didn't get wrapped up and dragged into the into the water overnight. But um, they're the reasons why they're pairing you up, just to get mm. some of that yeah. local, local survival, sensible knowledge, not 
not to show you how to hunt. And Brian was even saying that someone got medevaced out um, this season, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Mm. Through poor yeah. water management, got dehydrated, and they, were good. they had to get the chopper and come and rescue them. So it happens. Oh yeah, you could, you, it could easily happen. I mean, you walk, you you know, you're walking big, big K's. Um, you know, yeah, you could you could see it's hot. Yeah, you're carrying gear. You could see that you could easily, if you weren't prepared and you hadn't got a plan around how you're going to stay hydrated and, and stay on top of your game, you could see that you could easily get, you know, you get yourself in trouble. But, you know, I've been dehydrated in the Pilliga, so it happens. Mm. Um, so I, what I liked about the fact that the Territory was that we gave it so much consideration. We it was my it. biggest stressor moving into mm. it. Mm. You know, if I was to, to say that I was stressed about anything, it was going to be heat and water how much water you had to carry on top of all your other equipment I was concerned about. But it, it, it was a non-issue in the end because we, we planned well. I yep. actually thought I drank less water than I thought I would. And I the think cold that's water was a huge yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah, I do like too. I, I think I, back to like some of the, the, the Brisbane Valley hunts that I've done in, in the raw, and I'm drinking four, five, six litres of water on a hunt. We didn't have to drink that much. Like, I just didn't yeah. think so I we didn't were, feel like I need to. We covered this often in, in the other video. Mark talked about it before, but... That's a 1.4-litre Yeti. That was full of crushed ice out of the eskies, full to the top and sort of squashed down as much as you could and then topped back up with water. So, you know, you, you might have only had 300 mils of water once the ice was in there. Um, and then once you were draining that, we were filling that back up out of our water bladders so that you always had really cold, chilled water. And then we had a smaller one of those. It's, a, what, an 800-mil Yeti? Yes, yeah, um, yes similar. 700, the Yetis were great. Um, and that, again, had crushed ice and water with um, with the hydration uh, powder, which was, what was it, Johnny, that we used in the end? Uh, Hydrolyte Sport. Yeah, yeah, so it was an electrolyte mix, and th that absolutely saved us from cramps and, and problems yeah. and tents and things like that. Mm -hmm. But every half-day session, so most of our days were breaking down in half-day sessions, I would go through that plus one to one and a half, maybe two litres of water and the, and the hydrolyte. Um, and that was all I was doing in a session. I, I was carrying the two bottles plus four litres of water, but I never, ever went through it. Mm. Yeah. And, look, the only time that I ran low on water was that afternoon when we did that forced march back to the car. Mm. And we left our packs. So all I was carrying was the the sh small bottle. And, you know, by the time we got to the car, I'd run out on that. But, you know, we were, we were very close to water once we jumped in the car. You know, we were back in in record time to the to our water. But that was the only time that was a challenge in the water was that the fact that, not, that if you think about it, I just wasn't carrying enough water for the, for, the, for the task at hand. It did feel like an extra long way to the car that night. It was. It was. We completely misjudged that distance. We walked away from the calf much, much further than we thought we had. In fact, you know, when I, when I think about it, if we would have walked across that track and keep walking, we would have probably walked into camp. Oh, in about 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we kind of went, you know, we literally walked past camp and walked about an hour away from camp and then drove back to camp. Yeah, so that was it. We, we misjudged that, that um, where we were along that escarpment, the base of that escarpment there. That was the yep. first afternoon at Gisagoon, wasn't that was it? A big, that, after, so that was the afternoon we went up into that crazy rock country, which somehow 
carried buffalo. I don't know what, why. They're eating rocks up there or something. But, it's you know, just this, incredible how they... It, it was one of why, any, why, I don't know why we were there. <laughs> what are we doing in here? And what are we, as we're juggling on these rocks, what happens if a appears out yeah, yeah. What are we going to do? a it's super be a, tight canyon, r- weren't we? A ricochet gallery. <laughs> rock. Yeah, I mean, where I shot my buff, they were actually heading to the high country. So mm. they, they'd gone for a drink and we're actually heading up into that country. And obviously you guys, you went back to the same area the following morning, didn't you? And you found trucks. Well, that's well, right. Yeah. We found, a, we found a poached shot. Poached, but <laughs> yeah. only, and only shot, you know, within hours, still blood still coming out of it. I mean, it's a big animal, so it bleeds mm. for a long time. Um, but, um, and it, it was shot going, well, I think it was shot going uphill because it was trying to get away from the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. But, you mm. know, that's what it was doing. It was going uphill into that crappy country. And it wasn't actually too far from where the rock started. Mm. It, it was fairly fair, fair way up. So. so a fair description of that, um, you know, to the well, – was it to the east, I guess? It was, uh, was yep. a, out of bounds for us. It was a big swampy, marshy area. Then there was the fence and, and the road that we've been talking about. And then four or 500 metres, I guess, that went to a rocky escarpment that just went yep. up. And – in that rocky escarpment, obviously, there's there's canyons um, that you can walk through, or you know, um, saddles, things like that. And we were walking up into those saddles, and they were super tight, like there were sheer cliffs coming down that we were walking up, and there were tracks going all the way up there. Now, for mm. the buffalo to survive in there, what we're talking about is, you know, sandy bulldust ground with next to no feed on it, very cracked and dry, with rocks, and some old sort of casuarina trees that were around, you know, the, the pine needly sorts of things that had no nutrients in them whatsoever. Now, there was a point in time I think I was talking to a GoPro saying, this is just nuts. Like, what what on earth is an animal trying to do crawling up in here? Because there was nothing to eat. Yeah. But that's obviously where they feel safe. So, and um, we found on that Friday morning, we found this kind of raised uh, plateau on the way up to that. Uh, it was really heavily tree covered, and there was just buffalo sign all over mm. it. So obviously they move up in numbers and just get under those trees in an elevated position and and camp out there for the for I don't know either in the evening or for, during the day. But it was an elevated position, um, and uh, we just I was just stunned by the amount of, amount of sign in a, in a place where you think what what are they what are they doing in here? And, but even when we were in that morning when that pig it was coming out of that wetland to go to the dry country mm. you know and, mm. and it saw us and it turned back and it was it was on the wrong side of the fence for us so it went back into the into the wetlands but you can see that country you can see that once the water comes it's basically penned in by that escarpment and so it just flows into all that you know that, mm. that basin country so mm. I guess that's probably the animals must feel safe up there, not only from yeah. from poachers, but they got elevation. But also when the water comes, because they got yep. that elevation and they know that they're not going to get trapped by the water. Um, don't, I, I don't. I, I, I often thought about what you know, considering how much water covers that country, and you know, like you find a what a, a six hundred mil barra sitting <laughs> just sitting, lying on the dust. Yeah. City, you know, <laughs> ten fifteen feet away from a puddle of water. And you know that someone didn't drag that out. That was mm. just that water just sucked away, and that barrel was in there. And eventually, it, you know, it, it ran out of water. So you wonder what 
behaviour changes happens during the wet to those animals? Where mm. do they go? And does that, you know, does that have its own concentrating effect, or you know, where the dry concentrates them around water su- water supply? Does in the wet do they get concentrated around dry country? You know, the, mm. does it go the opposite way? Mm. So um, I'll throw this question to you, Jono. Um, just thinking about how warm it was. And, you know, we're dealing with water. We're dealing with, you know, trying not to get sunstroke and all those sorts mm. of things. How did you find the clothing that you wear? Or maybe describe the clothing that we wore because it was all very similar mm. um, up there just to, you know, shield yourself from all of that. Yes, I was um, I was wearing Hunter's Element gear. I had a, a very lightweight pair of a breathable Hunter's Element long trousers, long pants, um, and I wore the longs purely because of the sun and because of, you know, I didn't want to get scratched up and all that. Um, and I wore a summertime, really light Hunter's Element um, long sleeve shirt, very, very lightweight. Again, very breathable. I think breathable is the most important thing. Um, obviously, I was trying to shield my skin from the sun. I'm very fair skin, so I wanted to stay covered up wherever possible. Um, but it had to be lightweight. It had to be breathable. Um, I mean, you're going to sweat no matter what you wear, but you kind of want, you know, that, that sweat to really wick away from yourself and not to get saturated. Um, so mm. I found that gear worked really, really well. Um Obviously, clean socks and clean jocks every day just to avoid any chafing and blisters on the feet. That's, that's always my, my go-to wherever I'm hunting. But in those conditions, definitely, you want to you really take care of your feet um, and underwear as well. You don't want to get um, chafed up, and that's really going to ruin your day. Boots-wise, um, I wore a pair of Merrill um, hiking boots. They were actually really, really good. They were waterproof, which Brian said don't get, but I found them really, really good. They, they, they breathed really well. I had no issues. I had good socks, um, pro- proper hiking socks, no issues with my feet whatsoever. I had no blisters, no no nothing. Now, it's the first time I've been on a on a hunt where I've actually gone and bought socks specifically for the trip. Like mm. I always had, you know, hiking socks and those sorts of things, but I, I was, again, stressed about the heat before mm. we went and, uh, yeah, went and got the, you know, the correct socks for the job. And the same, uh, you know, you said don't get... Um, don't get waterproof shoes. That's what we were recommended, not to get waterproof boots. Um, but you just can't find You can get shoes that are um, that are not waterproof. But in just general supply, if you're going to go and find a pair of boots today, I think you're going to struggle to find something that mm. doesn't have Gore-Tex in it these days. And I ended up with a, a, you know, a new synthetic pair of Keens that were an ankle boot. And, that, again, they did a great job. The only problem I had was, was that they were black. And when we sat in the sun for a bit of a rest from time to time, I got reasonably hot, hot feet. warm feet. Hot feet so I had to stay in the shade but very comfortable didn't have a drama with it but the, mm. the whole long pants and long shirt thing I agree with yeah. Mark you were, you were much the same I think yeah so I tend to wear those um, I think the Pentagon brand the Ranger I just I wear them everywhere now they're the they're long pants um, I'm not a really a big fan on camo patterns I just tend to wear just solids um the shirts, long sleeve shirt was uh, either one of the Beretta Upland shirts or um, uh, a Columbia Technical Fishing shirt, you know, in a solid colour, which I actually, they were pretty good, those Columbia shirts. Um, I always wear, a, a, you know, a, a, a neck gaiter because, you know, I find that when you're wearing a pack and stuff like that, your shirt tends to get mm. pulled down and so you can get that mm. really bad burn just kind of, Below, below your hairline type thing like that. So I always wear a neck gaiter and, and on, on the front as well. So that just stops you from getting burnt. 
Um, I don't, you know, don't wear it where I pull it over your head or anything like that. And that wasn't for the. It was just really to give an added level of protection around your neck from the sun. And a really nice, good floppy hat. And you know, I did the same. You know, the, the got good quality hiking boot uh, socks. Uh, you know, various brands, uh, uh, Mountain Designs and uh, Macpack. I wore my traditional um, hunting boots that I've worn lots and lots of places. I had a problem with um, uh, blisters, but I, I kind of know. It, kind of know what happened it was just one day the socks hadn't dried out properly when i put them on they were on they went on slightly wet and that was enough after one of those big days and plus that was a day we were up scrabbling all over those hills so you know the combination of slightly wet socks and and doing some really serious cutting up and around rocks and your feet moving at all sorts of angles um caused the blisters but you know tape and rum and you're fine keep going it was in the last couple of days, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, right. I didn't, it was a squeak that, out of you. you it happened it on. It happened uh, the thir- It happened that Thursday night when we first went up into that rock country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then so, the last they, they, so this Friday morning when you and I went out, when when I, when I went for some reason I went back up there, you know, and pushed just just just, just to I see if why. I could, we all know why. Really, really, really hurt myself that we day. All know so why. What could you see from up there, Mark? <laughs> That's what right. Was, what was the view well, from I, up I, on I, the top I, there? I, I wanted to see those monster pigs again. I did. I, no. didn't I know you like them. pigs, Mark. I know. I wanted to see them. I just like looking at them. Cause I, you know, I guess the biggest... I went up there. Oh, and exactly. then that was, you know, and that, and that was it. So that caused that to happen. But, you know, as I said, lots of tape and I'm, we're fine. Hmm. I think the biggest challenge is probably a good hat. Yeah. It is. Um, and the other challenge, I think, too, for us specifically, you know, we, on a Facebook post recently, you know, we were, we, were ta- we, we all posted images of um, of hunting at Severn and you posted one of you and I on that hill. Mm. The amount of gear that I'm carrying, I'm just going, <laughs> it, it's no wonder. Like I've got a GoPro and a camera and then all the, everything else, you know. So yeah. you're just loading yourself up with more and more gear, trying to capture it, which is fun and you know, great part of it. But it does mean you are carrying more gear. You are carrying mm. more, and it's fiddly gear. You know, it's not something you can. You, you know, it's not like oh, I'll just stick it in a pack. It's got to be out. It's got to be at mm. hand and stuff like that. So it does get in the way, and I think that that just adds to it all. Yeah, certainly easier having three of us holding a camera. It didn't mm. mean that we all had to carry two. Mm. Um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult juggling it a whole lot, especially if yeah. you're doing it by yourself. But um, yeah. we love doing it, right? We like putting that's the content it. together. That, and, yeah. it, but that's what it is. You realise, holy moly, you know, you've got gear sticking out. Everywhere you can shove something in, it's sticking out like that. So, mm. so, so that's um, so that's, uh, that, that's the stuff that we were wearing. Um, let's go to camp then. Yep. So, mm. again, it was hot. It was humid. Uh, the mornings seem to be more humid. Then the rest of the day, and that humidity burnt off as the as, yeah, as the heat yeah, came on. That's fair. So it was a bit sticky, but you know it was still. I'm not going to say it was overly uncomfortable at night time, but it was still damn warm compared to what oh, we yeah, were. It was hot. There was no doubt. There was no doubt. It was hot during the night. I mean, it, yeah. but it wasn't. You know, I, I think what it's hard to 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 not labour the point how hot it was. But what you don't want to do is is like it wasn't like debilitating. It was like, no. like oh, we're just sitting around doing nothing because it's so hot. No, it was just the reality is it was hot. Yeah. And, and it we had, stayed um, hot. It stayed hot. You know, there wasn't like, oh, it, with the sun went down, it dropped off. No, it stayed hot for 
Yeah. You know, so it was just... So which meant, I suppose, in terms of gear, that we probably, in that instance, took too much gear or, you know, the, the wrong kind of gear for that kind of... for that around camp. So one of the benefits was we went with locals and so things like camp chairs and camp tables and camp mm. cookers were supplied. We didn't have to worry about taking that. But we took our own tents and our own sleeping gear and all that stuff. And I know that from my point of view, I'd next time I'd take a slightly bigger tent and take less in the way of, you know, sleeping bags and so on and so forth. Yeah, and um, you're looking at the locals. So Matt, he had one of those big king's King Daddy Deluxe type swag. So he had yeah. into space. It was wide open. He just had the mesh down. Uh, Boily had something that I can only really describe as a large trampoline safety net. That's what it reminds <laughs> it me of. Yeah, they, they, were cool, the... they were cool mozzie tents or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah pop up tents. Yeah. They, they had a name. They were like, yeah, they were like, they were called that. They were something like a mosquito tent or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah mm. which was basically just a tent without a fly. Yeah, lots of space. And um, I had a MacPack Minaret, which is a, uh, look, I, I call it a, it's a two-man tent, but it's a one-and-a-half-person tent, really. And, um, you know, it was set up with just the fly mesh that had no cover. Mm. And, um, again, the same as you, Mark, I, I don't think I'd take a sleeping bag, although I was happy to have the sleeping bag underneath my um, blow-up yeah. mattress in case, mm. you know, just a little bit of protection because we were sleeping on rocky ground every night. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, that can be a bit, bit dangerous when you throw 120 kilos of mammal on top of a blow-up balloon that's got rocks under it. There's little perils that happen. That's where uh, you get a self-inflator, mate. Yeah. They're hard of the puncture. They're hard of the puncture. <laughs> had what I had, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'd already had a problem with that exact model, so I was a bit worried about it. But anyway, oh, we came through okay. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah I'd, I had, I'd take that same tent again. I, I wouldn't change that. I had yeah. enough. Mm. enough I had a, um, an MSR, uh, I think it's called the Elixir, Elixir mm. 1, which is a one-man hike tent, and it is a really, really high-quality tent, well-made, a whole lot like that, but it was just too small. I, I took it, you know, to save space, but I've got a, as you said, I've got a hike two-man tent, which I'd take next time, but I wouldn't take the sleeping bag. I'd just take the bag liner yep. um, and take the mat again. And um, you know, and anyway, I never I never slept in that sleeping bag. I slept on it. Mm, so same. I'd probably do the same with the bag liner. Just lay on the bag liner to give you you know a, a level of um, uh, you know insulation or for or one of a better word between the mat and myself. Though mm. I slept on the I, I, at times I slept straight on the mat as well. It, it, there was no problem with that. Jonah? Yeah, I took a um, an Oz tent, sort of one-man Alpine tent, um, which was fine. It was perfect, but I had nowhere to store my gear, so the, the gear was outside the tent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think a slightly larger tent would be nice, um, although we did realise, I think, when we were packing up here that we had the uh, the Alton Goods top that we could have put up and put our gear under that, if we had thought about that on day one. Yeah, we had the but big expert at... bags, though, and we could close them up. I'd yeah, stress yeah. too much about. I'd but we did a... find that anything that was left out did catch the dew. Um, yes. Talking about Mark had slightly wet socks that day. It's not because he'd left them in the water; they just got dew on them. Yeah. As they hung up in the tree, right? That's I'd it. say from a from a gear perspective, I think those expert bags are probably 
the absolute winner of that trip because that dust just got into everything. Yeah. Um, and storing your gear in when you're at camp and everything else, they were just, they were the best. Just having that all closed up. And we managed to put, what, five buffalo horns and four buffalo horns and that and chucked it on the plane on the way four, back. Four, and, four pairs yeah, of buffalo Four pairs, yeah. yeah so yeah. that shows you how versatile they are. I think that yeah. was probably the winner. And I think next time I'm going to take a spare one in my bag just to, to load stuff for coming back with. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I used it, my gun box in, in very much the same way. You know, I got a, bought a really high quality um, uh, Pelican gun box, but I think it's a Pelican Vault. It's, a, it's slightly different from the traditional Pelican um, gun box, but it was, it, you know, it was okay for it to be outside. It could seal up so I could put things in it. And, the, you know, in the morning, as you said, it was covered in dew, but inside it was dry. So, it provided a, a great level of protection to gear like that as well. So that was very handy to have. But, yeah, a good quality expedition bag is worth its weight when, mm. you, when you're there because, you know, you can throw things in it. It doesn't matter about packing. And, you know, ours were quite large. Mine was never near capacity. It, may, it got close to capacity in terms of weight, but I never filled it. It was never like, you know, oh, we can't close this type thing it was just and that was really handy as well because you could just kind of throw things in it when we we're on the move you didn't have to mm. worry about packing it up too much too mm. much and two things uh extra to that um the things that we packed we packed because we had to be ultra portable and yeah. you know we were on the move we were never going to be staying at a single base camp the whole time we, we had three camps over the over the trip one was just the first night and then we had a couple of other camps but we we needed to be able to pack up quickly and get going mm maximize the time hunting not maximize the time setting yeah. up a, a grand mm. camp um and the other thing is um don't underestimate how harsh that place is like your gear is getting thrashed you know no, it's yeah. going on the back of utes it's covered in bull dust it might get a bit of moisture on it then it's covered with more layers of dust and it's like it's just everything got hammered mm. um up there um rocky ground take tough gear yeah. don't take flimsy shitty stuff up there you, you'll have trouble or, yeah, and I mean, even with the bags, you know, don't take a traditional duffel bag, get an expedition bag. Yeah. You know, it, get it, something that has got a level of, of I mean, it's not going to be waterproof, but it's got a level of waterproofing because, yeah, you know, it is. On the back of that truck, we were swallowing dust for hours. And, you know, <laughs> and they were I'm covered they, you know, dust they, they, that sheen over them, but once, once you brushed it off, everything inside was pretty much okay. Mm. And that was it was that was certainly a, you know a, a very very good um, planning to actually take those kind of bags with us. And I mean I was really very happy with that bag. Yeah, good. Mm. We've um, we've talked a lot over the last podcasts and um, the videos that we've done about the rifles that we took. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we want to cover that again. Or oh, we leave that. We could we could touch it very briefly. Um, you know what? We had three rifles. We had two nine point threes by sixty twos. Not nine point three by sixty six. Not sixty six. There is a difference. Mm -hmm. Ask there John. Is. Ask the pig. Um, it's all right. It's there. That's, Giggled all the way. It's, it's real. It's real. <laughs> that's that. That four. That four millimeters <laughs> is Point really millimeters. really important. What did it look like on video, Mark? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah. Boom. So, uh, so yeah, we took nine point three by sixty twos, 
which are uh, pretty hefty caliber. Mm-hmm. Uh, will do the job. Um, I was running a 250 grain high quality Seiko projectile, Barnes projectile. So, and the reason I ran that was I wanted something that was kind of like something that I would be comfortable shooting at to 200 if there was pigs on the move or something like that. Um, John, you ran the more traditional what 286, yeah, uh, which is basically videos, the kind yeah. of if you, if you don't know the 9.3, that's basically the 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 equivalent to a, a 150 grain in a 308. Mm. It's the it's the kind of base, the bread and butter of the 9.3. The yeah. bread and butter of the, of the mm. 9.3. Um, you can get those in soft point, you know, round nose. You can get them in in monoliths. Um, same points, way, uh, yeah. as as always, if you're going to shoot something big, you want to think about bullet construction just as much as you want to think about what you know you're actually pushing it with. Mm-hmm. You used the the thirty uh, in you know you had the thirty oh six, which was a smaller caliber, admittedly, um, but you're shooting a high quality one eighty grain pill out of it, and yep. you're shooting it out of a quick shot. Beretta BRX1, which, you know, there's a nice bit of video you pumping four rounds in a buffalo in within pretty quick time. <laughs> um, and you also had, a, you know, a, a red dot optic, which was a different, again, a, a different um, setup. I love the completely setup, had, yeah. Had Absolutely a, a, you know, a low-powered, um, saf- what was, well, what has always been known as a, a safari or a dangerous dames, games, game, mm. a, a low-powered, you know, one one power, basically, you see what's in front of you. Um, so yeah, pretty standard or you know safari style equipment. Um, mm. But the good thing is, you know, there's there's a benefit in that. You know, it's an it's a known it's a known quantity and it's known to perform. And they did perform. You know, we didn't have any lost game. I know, Johnny, you had one day you had to. Well, one evening you had to go back out, but that was yeah. We just couldn't find it in the dark. Ran out of light, and yes, basically, yeah. It's a pretty hard place to be stumbling around trying to find something tonight. And in fact, and you were stumbling around trying to find a buffalo, which you know probably discretion. But we went back the next morning. We found it. Pull out and come back the next morning, and sure enough, you know, you did. It was dead. You found it pretty straight away. So yeah, that's you. You know, the opportunity to shoot what donkeys where we were donkeys pigs and buffalo was high um and they're all big animals and mm. the pigs were big and mm. donkeys were far bigger than i thought donkeys were going to be way bigger the pigs were the pigs were big and the buffalo are really big so you mm. do want something that's going to hit hard and, and um and be reliable for you but i mean you could do you could use other calibers um you know there's what, plenty what, of other cuz you what would you change going going in a year's time you've, you've used you've used that rifle you've used that scope are you going to you going to change anything for the next trip or you're pretty happy I'd, with the combination i would i would find myself a second magazine mm. <laughs> that's, that's what i do because um even though um if you still even look on the, the you know the the specs it's supposed to the capacity of the magazine is supposed to be greater than it was we found that when you when you, you you put it to that level, it, like it could take the magazine could take the am the the rounds. It, it wasn't like it wasn't letting in, but it had a loading problem. So it was you know, feeding you know, when you had it at the, you know that lower less pressure in there, it worked better. So mm. 
and that's the important thing. You don't want it to be not working. Um, but the payoff is, and that's, but that's that's not an unusual payoff in any caliber. That's you know over thirty oh six and stuff like that. You, mm. you, you, there's simply less space in the magazine. You know, um, Moors are traditionally like that. You know, mm. two and two and one, and I think the CZ was regarded as you know being you know a really great safari rifle. Of course, it, it actually had a slightly bigger capacity in the magazine. Yeah, but you were mm. carrying your um, the little bullet pouch on your on your yeah. belt, which mm. I yeah. thought was a really great yeah I had the backup. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there were situations that we were in, you know, that the the pig that I shot only took two, but that only meant that I only had a couple left in the magazine, mm. and we yeah. bounced to another billabong pretty quickly, and all of a sudden I only had three, and there mm. were I tell you now there were more than three pigs scattering around that place around our yeah. feet mm. yeah. as as uh, as the mother got pollux down in the creek. Um, I. I I don't think I'd change anything. The only thing that I was concerned about having the um, the aim point red dot was not having the ability to shoot at distance. We yep. um, we ranged it when we were putting the the package together um, pre trip, and we were getting you know MOA at two hundred meters. It was mm. it was doing just fine, uh, but yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure I would confidently line that up on a buffalo at two hundred meters and. I, I... Not, uh, I totally not a deck yeah, caliber. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, up close, I, I had quite a bit of confidence because I was able to just drill it pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I was uh, on that first day. You know, when we saw that that big herd, I was pretty quick to defer. Um, you know, and say, and you know, that's there's, it. Oh, there's an opportunity in, here for you, Mark, but it's <laughs> not for me. It's not right. Yeah. In the end, I didn't shoot that buff because I didn't. I didn't feel. That you know, I, I didn't feel confident that I that I could do a frontal shot on a big bull, and and you know, and not and and especially after seeing them move and realise yeah. these things will just disappear on us. You know, they'll move on, they'll move in that big fat loping gate of theirs, and you know, they'll be half a kilometre away from us before we'll know what's going on here. Mm, so, pretty good. Yeah, and, and it was open country, you know, that they could just zip away and say, yeah, I wasn't confident about that frontal shot on that big animal at that what we're, that range we're at. And mm. um, so I'd want to close with anything anyway. Um, I'd yeah. want to, I just did not want to have the, you know, following up a shot buff through scrub. Mm. And as it was, the uh, the couple that you took, you were inside 50 metres? Oh, they much were, they Inside were, 30 metres? I was, yeah. That last one, I could pat him. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that that was close. That's right. But then yeah. you know, that's that's how I like to hunt, to be honest. Mm. Oh, and that's how you want to be hunting buffalo. Oh, yeah. well, that's how I want to hunt everything. Always... I want to always be close. I like I, I like that idea of yeah. getting in and mm. engaging that lane. You know, cause I want to be able to have the skills to get that close to an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I so be it deer, be it pig, whatever it is, I like mm. to get close. Um, mm. Um, so, uh, so, but, and, but that was a different situation again. That was, you know, um, well, I, I made the miscalculation of, of thinking there was one Buffalo when there was two. Mm. Yeah, right? I shot mine, must've been around a hundred. Um, we, we actually saw them from much further and we actually followed one of the drainage systems to get closer to it. So we, mm. we were lucky with the wind. We saw them, we, we just followed the drainage. So we were out of, out of sight. Um, but we came to a point where the drainage system turned that way and the buffalo was straight in front of us, but it was open yeah. country. We just couldn't get any closer to them, and we were running out of light. 
So we were probably... Did you have line of sight on them while you were in the drainage? or were No, you... we knew where they Pope. were, but we disappeared yep. into the drainage. We'd pop up every so often to, to sort of get our bearing, but we followed that drainage. We knew yeah, what direction we needed to go. must have been pumping, man. Oh, I was, yeah. Um, yeah, the adrenaline was definitely pumping on that. Um, and then we came to where the drainage went that way and the buffer straight in front of us, and we literally had nowhere else to go. So I literally just crept up to, to the nearest tree and took a shot from the tree and then boom, 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 went off all around me with yeah. Brian shooting and our shot. And, um, yeah, it was pretty exciting. I think yours was probably the, the longest shot on a buff. Yeah. Oh, I think I was within that 80 to a hundred as well. Yeah. It's probably about I don't the same think distance. I was much yeah. further than that. Um, but mine, and, and I'm assuming Mark's, we went with Mark when he shot his ones, but, mm. um, you know, it was, it was very quick. It was, there's a buff, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Uh, there's a buff on the ground, whereas yours, you had time, you, you had to think about it, you had to make mm. sure you didn't scare it away. You know, there's a whole nother feeling that's going through you when you're when you're stalking oh, we, we an animal like that rather that, than yeah. just reacting to it. Yeah, mm. Um, mm. yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool experience. See, mine, was, mine was kind of the opposite, even within the hunt. So the first one, it didn't know I was there. Mm. So, you know, it, and it was literally parked in the water, just sitting, you know, well, not sitting, but holding in the water. It didn't know it was there, had no idea. So I lit, you know, took an aim, sat down and shot in the back of the, you know, the base of the skull from behind and it it didn't even, it didn't even flinch. It just, you know, went limp, you know, it's a perfect situation for like a coal shot. The second one was, I didn't know it was there, so... <laughs> It was a reverse operation, you know. It was a whole, whole. It's on. It's on. So yeah. So that's that. That I mean. But that's hunting, you know. That was the thing, you know. Um, as I said, when I think about that, you know, I I knew there was two buff there because I saw all the sign to indicate there was two buff. But that, you know, that that when you see that game animal and you focus on it, you know, you kind of you miss you you, you sometimes you can get too focused and miss what's happening around you and mm. not see the second buff. Mm. Well, yep. there's definitely more buff with yours, Ian. We heard them crashing off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, it's, easy, it's easy to say, don't shoot the first buff you see. Yeah. But when you're, on, when, you're, when you're in the last 20 minutes on the last day yeah. and the light's going down and one stands in front of you and fronts up, right. like yeah. this one turned and went, I'll have you, buddy. <laughs> um, there wasn't waiting around for anything no. else. I wasn't chancing no. my luck. I was happy. And it, it's interesting because you see the stuff on social media all the time. People go up to the territory, they go buff hunting, they get these massive first, and you know these animals that they they take out there. They're selective, and you can do that when you when you've got an outfitter and and you mm. know you're going on a property like that. But um, you know, and the buffalo that I shot was probably only a year, maybe two years old. Um, you know, it's only got a very small set of set of horns on it. But I'm absolutely wrapped with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's the same with deer hunting. You know, if you go and shoot a, a big double seven on the first trip, you know, what are you going to go back for? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, Mark has uh, a bigger challenge to one-up himself than I do on the next trip, and mm. I look forward to seeing him do that. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about the buffalo a bit more. Um, so what, what have we learnt about the buffalo habits, how to hunt them, how to track them, you know, we knew nothing when we got there. What what can we share with the with the listeners sure. about mm. buffalo themselves? If you're going to be there for the first time in the same situation that we were, how are you going to attack this? Well, I suppose there, there's you know there's two 
ways of looking at this, or there's two, you know, there's two perspectives. The first perspective is that buffalo are like every other animal. They have the same needs as every other animal. So they need to graze and they need to water and they need to have a place to hold up. So you need to have those components um, available to you. There has to be a water supply. And in fact, you know, that's what we did. We, we generally went looking mm. for water. Um, um, and once you, and for instance, when I was hunting with Brian, we heard the, you know, the, 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 the red-tailed black cockatoos and we moved towards that sound. And then once we found we found them roosted, they weren't on the water, but we looked around and all of a sudden we found a bit of water. We said, okay. So things like water. Um, the other thing is that, uh, you know, Feed some. It's got to. It's got to be able to eat something. Um, the buffalo seem to be like goats. They can basically eat anything. You know, they um, they don't need improved pasture. I'm sure they love improved pasture, but they don't need improved pasture. Mm. But then there's those kind of I think things that like when Matt spoke about it and and that gave us I suppose the more um, nuanced things about buffaloes. For instance, you know that they'll even hold up in dry drainage. It doesn't. They don't need to have to hold up near water. They are water, but they'll move away from water, and so they'll they'll hold up in the dry drainage areas because it's cooler, you know. Mm-hmm. And they'll actually dirt bath or, or, or sand bath type thing. Um, when we saw that big herd, it was probably moving towards water. So you know, and you you that was in the afternoon. It was hot. You think about it, that animal is like, they were like a mob of goats going to a water supply, quite mm. possibly. You know, they were moving towards water. So they were doing that kind of thing that animals would do. Um, what I found, I suppose, um, unique or kind of buffalo-centric was one, um, they seem to have a... I didn't see as many prints as I thought I would. I thought, really? like, mm. as, like, I thought they'd be like cattle. You know, it would just be. But it seemed that that you could go on areas where the track was well worn, but there wasn't a great many prints. And I don't know if that's something to do with their hoof structure or something like that. But I didn't see as much, you know, because they're huge. I thought there would be like literally, you know, digging in the ground. I mean, occasionally you you saw a really sharp indentation, but there wasn't as much prints I saw. But conversely, their turds are like, you know, <laughs> an orange flag on a four-wheel drive. You know, you kind of – like it's like, you know, it's like when you go to your first red deer roar and you hear a cow and you go, oh, is that a red deer? Is that a red deer? But then when you hear a roaring stag, you go, oh, okay, that was a cow. That's what a sag sounds mm. like. So, you know, when we were first day, we were going, is that a buffalo turd? No, that's a buffalo turd. That's <laughs> yeah, what it looks yeah. like. That's, that's yeah. what it looks like. One, that's it. There it is right there. And it's like, you know, it's like a Cole's chocolate cake. Like a half a soccer ball. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, uh, it's in, that, you know, it's, in that rounded it's, shape. It's, mm. Well, it kind of reminded me of like, of a, like someone got a Cole's chocolate cake, a big one, and just kind of <laughs> dropped it. And it's flattened, but it stayed together. You know, it didn't... It didn't shatter, and yeah, it's, it's like a kind of almost like a singular piece, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which must reflect their, you know, their 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 intestines and what they eat. But that was 
immediate once you saw that and the fact that how hot it was if it's got flies on it you know it's mm. it's it's you know it's pretty and it's still and it's still holding some level of moisture then it's probably at least an hour yeah you know, it, it's it's only hours if not less than hours old up there it's going to dry out pretty quickly mm. I assume. yeah i mean for me the one thing i took away was especially with hunting with matt is how quickly he moves between billabongs he doesn't yeah. dawdle around he's just billabong 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 looking for sign right there's nothing looking for water right move to the yeah. next one try and cover as much ground Whereas we're like looking around, trying to find prints, trying to find that. There's nothing on the water. Go. That's the one thing. All in in us. Yeah. Yeah. But look how much ground we covered. And because if the the animal's not there, they could be at the next one. You've got to find the next one. Look for those big gums and go. That's the one thing I took away was really trying to cover as much ground. Be as efficient as you can, but really cover as much ground as you can. Um, Looking for that water because, as Mark said, they need some water. Um, Yeah. And if they're not on this one, they could be on the next one. And, and it was that quite was it. noisy. It was quite noisy underfoot. You know, mm. There was a lot of leaf litter. Yeah. We were making a lot of noise moving between billabongs. But, you you know, you'd quiet and write down once you had one in front of you and you could mm. you could get through it reasonably quiet. And I don't find that we were scaring animals away. There was that, that when we went out with Matt, Jono, on that, on that last day, the first mob of buffalo that we bumped, um, they were onto us and on the run. Yeah. Um, that was the first set of, like, the first group of buffalo that we had that we mm. obviously scared them out of cover um most of the others we saw you know they weren't aware of us so um i don't know if they're here i can't imagine that their hearing is bad being a, a well, i guess some sort of prey animal aren't they they're not anything else but um the other thing that i found quite interesting um well I, I don't even know if i figured it out yet um you know we do a lot of deer hunting and deer are largely nocturnal you know in areas that we're hunting that only a very few uh, minutes of light that they tend to be out when they've got a bit of pressure on them um, buffalo, they, by, by, by what we've been told and what I've seen, they, they're sleeping during the night just like a herd of cows are. They're moving around in the early light. And, mm. You know, they're, they're on their feet during the day if you find them. So, yeah, um, yeah and they were, um, I think Mark said earlier, they're, they're feeding away from water pretty much. You know, mm. they're coming out of the water early and, you know, heading up to high country. So we've, we've sort of figured that out in the, in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, from a actually, I've never done particularly well with deer in the afternoon. But to me, I think buffalo are an mm, afternoon yeah, animal. Agree. Um, yeah, the boys think, were less than motivated in the morning. Yeah, mm. and I think what it is is it's its ability to concentrate. Yeah, you know mm. they they could they could water from anywhere from you know before first light into first light and maybe into early morning, um, but in the afternoon, there's a shorter window for them to water. Yeah. So I think, you know, so so they're moving. Um, you know, the ones that I shot were actually, you know, well, I suppose it's wallowing. They weren't really, they were just in the water, just there. So they're wallowing. So, and that was late, late in the day. You know, that was, I think it was only about an hour to go. So they they were on the water in that, and Brian mm. always said that you know that was that's his favourite time as that last night night in mm. ninety minutes of light, and that's what I noticed about Brian. They hunted right through till dark. Yeah, you know, and 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 and, and that was because I, I felt that that's when they thought that's when it's going to probably mm. happen. You know, up in those in those. Yeah, the, the animals would definitely move in. At that last light from water yeah, up into so, the hard country, they're, they're getting yeah, up there so, to go and to rest for the evening. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, yep. 
Um, so, I think you also see you also see a lot of people. Um, you know, if you're just watching buffalo hunting, a lot of people do it from vehicle. Um, yeah. Some a takeaway for us was that you know if we were going to be cruising around in a vehicle trying to shoot them that way, um, and you know, you're well within your rights to do that. You know, we were on private block and it was a it was a culling exercise. They they had too many animals there doing a lot of destruction to fences and things like that. They needed to <laughs> knock some back. So it's incredible. You know, these things just walk through fences. They don't care. Oh, yeah. You know, they got full time staff just fixing fences. So it's a real drama. So if you're wondering why we're, you know, shooting more than one buffalo, it's we were asked to, you know, um, if you see them. So, uh, but um, we found the majority of the animals that we saw were well, well, well away from vehicle access. You know, um, whilst you know the hunting is probably best in the last ninety minutes of light, and we certainly saw that. Um, we were two hours trudging through yeah. the heat and the, the crap to get away from the the, the, the vehicle tracks um, and into you know a couple of systems across through the through the hills um, mm. before we got to somewhere that had less pressure and, and we saw more animals so mm. um, put in the hard work mm, definitely and that's it. when I hunted with Brian that's exactly what we did you know we went north of camp and then just walked into the scrub until we found water or water sign and then once we got it we said okay there's probably, you know, we're probably on on the water line in here. It wasn't a, a, a solid line. It, it actually did started to join up. And so the wind's telling us, you know, the wind's coming this way. So he just turned into wind and just started mm. walking and followed the buff tracks, just followed the game trails. There was mm. no vehicle access whatsoever. And when I shot the buff and we went out, you know, I literally... I said, look, Brian, I'm just going to motor on and get going with this thing on my back. And I just lined up on the fading light on that escarpment because I knew below that escarpment was the track that that mark was going to be on. And I just walked to that escarpment and within about, you know, about 500 metres away, I could see the headlights. So I moved towards the headlights. So it was straight, walk straight in, straight out. There was no way that you know, we could have got Martin to come in there to pull anything out, except for maybe the last 500 metres, if that, mm. to get, so, so, yeah, you weren't, I'm sure you could, oh, we know, you can shoot them by vehicles. Well, unfortunately, we saw the, the end result of that, but certainly the way we hunted them and what we were doing, a vehicle would be of no, you know, there was no ve- benefit in vehicles there. That piggy shot, that was not vehicle country. But, you know, all the pigs the shot were not vehicle country. Um, the donkey was, yeah, maybe, maybe you could have driven probably a vehicle. could have bush bashed into that, yeah. but you're yeah, not going to be on a track. Yeah, that's right, that's right. If you wanted to, you could probably got a vehicle in there. Um, rest of the time, you know, when we were like that, the second day when we were on the eastern side of the Roper, we were just walking on creeks. Yep. yep. And some of those creeks, those, those drainages are very, very steep and, yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of water comes through there in the wet, wet season. That's right. So, you, you know, you might have got a vehicle in part of that, but then, you know, you wouldn't have been able to do it. It wouldn't have given you much benefit no. anyway. So, yeah, I think that, that's what I really liked about that. You know, one, well, one of the many things I liked about our approach was that it was hunting. We weren't mm. – there was one, after, one lunchtime that we went for a drive with Matt to look around, but really we just went to look around. We took the rifles just in case. But we more drove around and just had a look around and kind of try to get an understanding of, you know, bearings and which fence was which and so on and so forth. Mm. 
one thing we didn't uh, touch on when we were talking about camp was ice. Mm. And not the ice that we were drinking, but how important it was to have some sort of system to keep ice. Because we were halfway through the trip, um, we ran back out to town. Ran back out to town was half a day. Um, you know, by the time we, we, we left there, loaded up every esky and vessel that we could possibly put ice into and went to town, uh, we were back for lunch pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so it's a long way, um, but maintaining that ice is really important. We made a couple of errors with ours. We had some uh, some animals shot early and, and the meat went into the ice to keep it cool. Unfortunately, it leaked Tainted into the it. ice and yeah. it was no longer yeah. drinkable, um, things like that. So um, if you're going to be going and doing this sort of trip, Good quality eskies of reasonable Definitely. size are important. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're going to I run mean, out. And the other thing is too, for in, in our particular instance, there were six of us. Mm. So in itself, that was going to require you know a lot of ice in in the system we were using. And two, we ate very well. You know, <laughs> there was like whole chicken and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> so we were we were you know by design going to be putting a lot of load on 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 the ice and on the eskies, you know, we weren't, mm-hmm. we weren't eating stuff. We weren't eating stuff. And, you know, and then we, we had a big, you know, a couple of drinks for, you know, eskies and stuff like that. So we were pretty heavy up on that, but I mean, that made it all the more enjoyable and, and comfortable, but that was a, a, I think that was just a necessary trade-off of the way we went about it. Mm. Yeah. Well, good. Well, just like, um, yeah, we probably went through what, 30 bags of ice. That oh was? yeah. We were just, oh yeah. 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 But, yeah, I mean, and, we, were, um, we were drinking and eating you know, yeah, bags of ice. So, 30, you know, 30 bags, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Significant we, amount it of wasn't ice. Just, it wasn't like that we had 30 bags in eskies and they, mm. they, they melted over the days. We were actively contributing to the <laughs> ice reduction, which was helping, you know, with the, the hydration, but it was mm. a natural payoff around that. Mm. Going back to buffalo, a couple of buffalo on the ground, uh, a couple of tools that we were introduced to for mm. carting around are worth mentioning. I think yeah. you know we all carry a hunter's knife, but um, Boyle and, and Matt um, suggested we take a couple of others. John, do you want to cover that off? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a Stanley knife is to cut through that hide. The hide on that, and especially around the back of the neck, is like this. And a standard knife is not really going to cut it. Um, in my view, it's going to blunt it pretty quickly. But the most important piece of kit for me was the the handsaw, trying to get through that skull and trying to take the trophy home. That that was yeah, that was invaluable. There's no way you would have got that. You know that cut that skull with anything more than a handsaw. Uh, no, ideally, no. I'd like a one of those. What are they reticulating saws? Whatever they call them, if you can get oh, one. Yeah. Of them. Angle grinders. <laughs> Reciprocating. Reciprocating saw. That's a, that'd be good if you could if you could manage to take a battery out and all the rest of it. That would be awesome to get through that skull. But um, it was it was hard work, and you're probably going to get what two two buffalo out of one of those saws, maybe three, and it's done. The blade's gone. Yeah. Same with the Stanley knife, eh? Oh, you know, yeah, but those, you, you went through those blades well. pretty quick. But yeah, they you, had, you had to cut through that thick skin yeah, all the way yeah. around to, to make way for the saw, otherwise, yeah. you were just going to clog it That's up. That's right, skin it was just, and, just pushing skin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, a couple of good tools you'll see in a couple of the videos um, that have been released. Mark's walking around with a saw on his back. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yep. for firewood, it was just no. in case. Yeah, well, you know, I think it was about 30 minutes of. Swapping between me and Brian, and mm. sawing and sawing and cutting and cutting and things like that, you know, it took a while, and yeah, you know, and yeah, that saw, and it was a cheap, 
as Brian said, he buys cheap sauce from Bunnings because he'll get two, maybe three skulls out of it, and, it, and, it, and it, that's the end of it. So, yeah. um, and that's just, you know, small uh, hand saw like that. And I thought that was a really, you know, that was a really kind of hands-on, practical, local knowledge thing to do. Mm. You know, yeah, you're not use your knife, but save your knife, use a standing knife until you get through, and then, you know, Here's if you want to do something, use your knife. So mm. use this to kind of break the skin. And, you know, and, and having one of those standing knives with snapping blades on it just meant that you could you could always have a sharp blade ready when mm. you were... There's a bunch of spares in there as well. I mean, we used our knives and things like that back at camp when we were cleaning up the animals, and all, you know, if you were taking meat off the animal, but when you were taking, like, the, the skull, yeah, it, it just made a hell of a lot of sense to be, mm. have something that was, you know, utilitarian, you didn't mind too much about just flogging the hell out of it mm. to save and your just nice gear. Getting getting the height off the, uh, you know, down the spine to get into the back straps, you know, it just saved the saved your decent knife. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well worth um, and not even investing. Just you know, pick a couple of those up, they're cheap. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that had animals back in camp, uh, and then um, I guess that was it. Like we were into cleanup after that, and you know, just trying to figure out what we were going to do to get those those uh, those horns trophies back. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up cutting through the skull to break them in half. Mm. Um, you've now got those home; they've been probably on the roof of the shed drying out for a while. Have you uh, had a look at how you're going to reattach those? Yeah. So mine's still got fat in them, still coming out. Out of the horns themselves. No, no. So, uh, so some time ago it separated. Mm. Yep. So yeah, like a, like the, you know, so just a like a goat. Yeah. So the, the skull and the that growth that supports the horn that's separated. So I've got the, um, it's, it's uh, parts of it is very nice and white, but the rest has got, still got that, um, uh, fat coming out of it yep. um because the way the shed is i can actually it's down i can actually see the, the 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 roof of the shed so it's in it's in the it's in the sun from about midday onwards for the every day and there's a there's a real slick of, of fat on that shed roof yeah so that'll take some time to burn off because it's mm. still coming out the horns are dry and don't smell the horns yep. are dry, so I've been playing around about how I'm going to, um, how I might, you know, do what might do to them. I don't know about your horns, but mine have got underneath this, this two areas of really high polish, and it just must have been way this animal travel or something like that or something like that. But underneath the horns, there's two areas that are really highly polished polished where it's been rubbing against something for a longer period of time it's quite interesting mm-hmm. so i've got those um so i've got the the skull and as you said what we did was we took the skull and horns in as a single piece with the saws and then back at camp we cut that skull in half and that allowed us to kind of fold up the horns like that and then get them in a well, an expedition bag so mm. we were able to get them in expedition bag um the, my saw cut's not too bad I'll probably get the grinder out um, and just Let's level it out a bit. Level them out a bit, and then just glue them together. Um, glue them together uh, once they're fully dry and once the fat's out of them. Because mm. 
You don't want the fat still in those things if they get no. up on your walk. That stink will never leave. Oh. <laughs> Once you, yeah, you that's it. So you just got to get it out. And I'm just letting them, that's it. And there's actually a pig skull up there as well. So I've got pig skull and horns or skulls. Got a couple of skulls at the moment drying out. Good stuff. Mm. Yeah. And mine are the same. They're, yeah, mine's, um, mine's the same. Sheath, they've sheathed the fats that are yeah. losing out of the bone. Yeah. Um, I've got one skull that I'm going to absolutely use as part of the mount uh and then the other ones i've just got a um i've i've mounted one that was a casties that we found mm. and um i'll probably do the other ones the same or use them in a different way not for me but for somebody else um which would be nice we'll make them into a nice ornament or something like that mm. and um and hand them off but um you look i think all up logistically there was nothing that we did that we would do too much differently um, the absolute bonus out of the end of it um, was that there were hot springs very close to um, yeah. coming out oh. of the property and we were able to soak. I, I, pity, I pity the other 30 people that were in the hot springs at the same time as us because well, the water funk was went downstream. Yeah. The water was moving pretty quick. So that it was, was but it was a beautiful end, wasn't it, just to go yeah. and soak yeah, in hot springs. Big, big, and look, and then we had a you know a reasonable feed at the like Laracel, So uh, Yeah, that was uh, awesome. Good feed. That yeah. was it, yeah, and, and had a cold beer out of a tap and sitting in air conditioning and a relatively comfortable drive home. Mm. Which mm. even included an ice cream stop. <laughs> Amazing. So I, Amazing. I didn't I didn't know why we were stopping. I didn't realise we were stopping for ice cream, but we were. But um, yeah, so that was it. Was all pretty comfortable. That was. Um, anything you do, I know we wouldn't do anything different. Anything you might take or leave behind or anything like that. I think everything that I needed, I took. I, mm. I didn't want for anything that I was there. Um, I don't know if we. would Plan a bit more carefully around ice. Probably yeah. we've covered mm. that off. We could probably do better there. Um, I I t- <laughs> I took jumpers and thermals and a jacket. It, um, I was <laughs> looking at the temperature and it said that it was going to get cool overnight. Mm. And I, you know, it gets cool in the desert overnight. It doesn't get cool in the NT overnight. Uh, no. There was no need for any of that. Um, mm. So there's, there's there's a fair bit of space that I can save, but. Honestly, I think we did super well with the pre-planning. We, we took a lot of advice. We got it right. And, yeah, very little I would change and can't wait to do it again. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same. Dry, anything? No, I'd be um, similar not take some warm stuff. Don't need a, 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 a you know a jumper and, and all that. Just didn't need it. Um, other than that, no, I was pretty well prepared. We did some, you know, good planning discussions, tweaked the food a little bit. I think at one point we were running a bit low on, on the snacks. I think we snacked, snacked more than we, we ate large meals uh, and probably just a bit more planning around with the ice and keeping food cool. I think that was probably mm. the biggest challenge was um, just planning some of those meals a bit better just so that we can we can manage the, the, the ice. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, mm. Is really just keeping keeping stuff cold. I think and that's more well, sorry. One thing we didn't mention actually that's come about just um, well to, to answer the question, what I might do differently is I might next time take a smaller set of binoculars. I've got like some you know thirty twos. Um, I don't think you need the the you know the bigger deer hunting binoculars in that kind of mm. country. I probably get away with a smaller set of binoculars. I've got a different pair of boots. I've, I've got a. Um, uh, you can buy um, lightweight synthetic boots that don't have um, water insulation. They're just really expensive. 
Um, but so I found a pair, and I've already worn them a couple of times. They're fantastic. So they're just hunter summing boot, hunter so summer hunting boots. Um, I probably I was actually thinking I might take a jet boil, mm. just just to have you know in the morning when everyone's you know you can just kind of sit down and have your own have a coffee or something like that. I, I think I might take a jet boil with me, um, and probably less heavy sleeping gear. Mm. That other than that is all pretty right, and I'd mm. probably reconsider my, my um. Uh, you know, the bags in terms of, you know, do I take two smaller ones or do I take a bigger one with a smaller one inside it or something like that so we've got the extra bag. But I think one thing we didn't talk about, which um, just popped into mind, was about well, Before the you go there, I've thought yep. of something that I wouldn't take. Okay. And I wouldn't take fishing gear again. Okay. Yes, there was mm-hmm. opportunity to fish for barra, and yes, there were barra in the system, but barra fishing time was prime hunting time. Yeah. And we weren't sacrificing the time for fish. Mm. So if you love your barra, take it. But for me, I wasn't going to sacrifice a session. For, yeah, for I, I agree. I mean, mm. it, it may have been if, if on the you know the second day I'd had buffalo horns in camp, I may have decided to have a, you know, spend a, a, um, a, you know, a day or at least a morning fishing. But the fact that we weren't, you know, the animals were still to be got. The mm. fishing gear stayed in the box. Yeah, yeah so sure. That was, yeah, I, I might take the fishing gear, but again, I'd, I'd treat it that same way. If mm-hmm. it, it was, um, it was a, it was going to be a nice to have a fish if. It's all and, um, down. So yeah. yeah. But one of the things that we haven't, I suppose, mentioned was was the food. In that we did, a, I thought, well, I, I I'd never done it, and I, I was, you know, and I thought it was a really good. A good move, um, you know. Jono's suggestion is that we ordered all our food from what was it, Coles or Woolworths? Yeah, Woolies. Yeah. So you know, we we just ordered food, and, you know, pick, click click and collect or whatever it is. Mm. So we did a, one one evening. We sat down and we did a menu amongst ourselves, and you know, online and ordered it. And again, having that, you know, the connection up there in the Northern Territory, was able to pick it up, pick us up for us but if we were doing it ourselves once we got the hire car rather than you know than hitting the highway the first run would have been going to the local woolies and picking up the grocery yeah. and away we went so that that was a really you know that was again another another thing that made that trip just a little bit easier in in logistically that we were able to sort the food out mm. you know it wasn't up to brian to sort food out for us or anything like that we just have to get it and time saving as well the yeah. way we went Mm. I really, I thought that was a great idea. Mm. It's great. almost the sign of thing. If you were travelling to Victoria, you know, you might kind of almost do the same thing. If you were, you know, if if you had the same, uh, you, there was a you know, the cl- local town had a had a wall that you could just click and collect and and be gone. Yeah. So as you're carrying it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that's. That's that's a lot of information for people. That's um, the territory. Yeah, if you've got if you've got uh, any questions about uh, the NT, if you're thinking about doing it yourself and you're trying to get some information, feel free to sing out. Um, mm. Certainly, give us your feedback uh, and um, yeah, like the episode if you enjoyed it and um, tell your friends. It'd be great. Just fun. Us. Okay, gents. Cool. Thanks, gents. Good night. See you later. Thanks, guys.